my prayer is that this little three-part series will stir the faith in you again and stir our expectancy again. Because there are some that are sitting right here. You love God. You know God loves you. But if the truth be known, you think my marriage, this is as good as it gets. My finances, this is as good as it gets. My life, this is as good as it gets. But I want to stir you into the realization that where you're at is not where you have to stay. And what you have is not all that you have to have. That you are the head and not the tail. And then in all things, we are more than conquerors. Right? Come on, aren't you glad? Somebody told me this past week, said, man, I am so glad that every week you remind me that I'm the head and not the tail. Because life has a tendency of making me forget that. And I believe that the atmosphere of expectancy becomes the breeding ground of miracles. I know that sounds like this cute little saying, but it's true. Man, when we come to church, and I'm just going to use church as the background. When we come to church with a level of expectancy, man, church is a whole different thing than if we just kind of come in and fulfill our religious duties, right? In fact, I say this all the time. Congregations make great preachers. See, I'm better already, ain't I, right? In other words, when you just decide, I'm going to hear what's going to go on today. I'm going I'm to jump in. I'm going to receive it. Congregations make great preachers. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. I remember back in the day I, when Billy Graham was still doing all his crusades. How many grew up seeing the Billy Graham on TV and all that? The Billy Graham crusades. You know, and, and, and I would watch him fill soccer stadiums and give an altar call and thousands of people would come to the Lord. And I got to thinking about it one day and I thought, you know, Billy Graham, I loved him and loved his ministry. But I mean, no, his speaking wasn't super dynamic. He wasn't a flamboyant personality. He would walk out and give a pretty basic salvation message. The singers would sing basically the same song at every soccer stadium, just as I am. Come on, you guys know it. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And they would give that. And people would pour out of that soccer stadium and come to the front and give their life to the Lord. And I thought, you know, the word isn't different. The preaching isn't different. The singing isn't different. There's nothing more special. God doesn't love Billy Graham more than he loves every pastor and every church that is going on. But the difference was the expectancy. You see, just think about it. I mean, for months, you're talking about, hey, are you going to the Billy Graham crusade? Are you going? It's going to be incredible. And for months beforehand, people are start talking about, man, the Billy Graham crusade is coming to town. You might drive hours to get there, get a hotel room, spend the night so that you're on time. Churches would come together and rent Greyhound buses, and they would drive all the way to the crusade, all the church in a Greyhound bus, on the way, singing Kumbaya, my Lord, and just having this great expectation is building and building. Man, this is going to be incredible. And they don't even get a front row seat. They don't get special seating. They're sitting in the nosebleed, but they receive amazing things. Why? Because they cultivated an expectancy. And when we cultivate expectancy in our life, something different happens than when we just ho-hum go through life. A guy by the name of Victor Broom wrote a thesis, wrote a theory. Uh, he's from Yale University, and he wrote a theory called the Expectancy Theory. And I'm going to read just a short paragraph from it, and here's what he says. The Expectancy Theory proposes that a person will decide to behave or act in a certain way because they are motivated to select that behavior 
over another behavior due to what they expect the result will be. In other words, let me just shorten it a little bit and put it in layman's terms. In other words, we will act a certain way based on what we expect the results to be. And if we don't expect to get much from our marriage, if we don't expect to get much from our church, if we don't expect to get anything from God, then, then our behavior reflects that. If we come to church and we don't really expect God to move, then we'll get there when we get there. I'll sing if I feel like it. I'll applaud if I want to. But if I'm expecting God to show up, my behavior is a total different thing, right? If I'm expecting this day to be the best day ever, if I'm expecting where I'm at is not where I have to stay, then my behavior changes. Is everybody with me on that? There's a portion of scripture that I'm sure most of you here are familiar with. If you grew up in church like I did, I remember the flannel graph of the lame man. And it had a little picture of him lame. And then it showed the temple gates. And he got brought in the temple gates. And at the end, it showed the man jumping and leaping and praising God. How many remember that song? Anybody? Huh? All my old Sunday school friends. Jumping and leaping. Come on, Ron, where are you at? And pray. Don't you teach our children that song? Oh, it's a little outdated. All right, so anyway. Uh, and I remember that on the flannel graph, like as clear as yesterday. The young people are like, what's flannel graph? <laughs> I'm like, no clue. Believe me, you got a name today, all right? Okay, so anyway, in Acts chapter number three, it tells this story. And I want to read those verses, and then I want to just kind of pull out a few things that I think will help and begin to lay the foundation of elevating our expectations, okay? And so, Acts chapter number 3, uh, as you're following along either in your notes or on the PowerPoint, let's look at it together. And starting in verse number 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4 says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, watch this, expecting... To get something from them. Did everybody see that? He was making an effort every day to be somewhere. Not because he didn't think anything was going to happen. He looked at them expecting to get something from them. I wonder how much different this story would have come out. If he wasn't expecting anything. But he came expecting that day and he received a miracle. Let's go on and see the rest of it. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Last verse, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So we're going to do that today. Everybody, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. All right. I had some of you nervous. All right. There's five things that I just pull out of that portion of scripture. We're going to go three weeks on this. And today, all I want to do is begin to kind of lay a foundation and give you some words to think about. 
give this man as a backdrop, a case study to look at some things that we can put in our life to begin to elevate our expectation. Maybe your expectation is expired and it's, you don't have some great expectations. Maybe your expectations are good. My goal today is to get everybody's expectation up one level. Imagine what that would look like. Maybe some will go too, but I'm just, if we could just get it one level, even if it's good, come on, let's move it from good to great. Because where you're at is not where you have to stay. Aren't you glad that that is a truth in life? So I want you to write down some words that are in your sermon notes. We're going to look at five of them. And uh, five things out of this story that I believe will help us elevate our expectations. Some of them are simple. I think all of them are simple. But I think that uh, when we begin to apply them, they'll elevate our expectation. Number one, if you're taking notes, just write the word attendance. Just write the word attendance in blank number one. The first of the ways to elevate our expectation is through our attendance. And that seems so simple. But I think sometimes the miracle is in showing up at the right place at the right time and getting in the pathway where ministry is passing by. Let me say that again. I know you're looking for something way more profound. But sometimes I think step number one is just showing up. I'm just going to be there. See, you didn't have to be at church today, but I promise you, your breakthrough, your miracle, your blessing is more likely going to be right here because you showed up together with the people of God, worshiped God collectively. You showed up at the right place at the right time, and the attendance is where our, our expectations begin to rise. Let's look at the verse again in verse number one. It says, one day Peter and John... We're going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. In other words, he had his friends every day put him in the pathway of ministry. He, he knew that those, those crazy Christians were going to be going in for prayer. He knew that those saints were going to be going to the place where they met with God. Where God performed miracles. God visited them. He, I love the story because he didn't just pick any random place to be. He put himself, please hear this, he, he put himself in the pathway where he knew ministry was going to happen. And I would just declare to you that we have to get ourselves in the pathway of where ministry happens. And, and unashamedly, I'm going to tell you again of some places that you ought to attend to allow ministry to flow in your life. I don't need to tell you about coming to church, but sometimes it's just showing up to church. When we feel like it and when we don't. Sometimes it's about rearranging our priorities the best we can so that we can make church attendance a priority in our life. Because we can make sure that our schedules are so full that we don't make church attendance a priority. And I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor. I'm saying that sometimes our expectations will rise a level when we just put ourselves in the pathway of where ministry is happening. Come on, we've only been in church 30 minutes this morning. And aren't you already feeling like there's a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel? Wasn't it great to sing those songs unto the Lord corporately? Come on, sometimes we just got to put ourselves and the pathway of where ministry is happening. This week, uh, we had over a hundred people involved in our small groups. Come on, isn't that wonderful? Come on, that's good news. 
But, but basically, here's what was happening. Over a hundred people said, I'm going to put myself in the pathway. I'm going to attend. And I talked to about a half a dozen folks that said, man, Ken, you know, small groups really aren't my thing. It's intimidating to go to somebody's house. It, it, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of a hermit by nature. And then I had some conversations like that. But by the time it was over, they were high five and say, but I'm so glad I attended. I'm so glad I showed up. I'm so glad I made the effort. I want to encourage every one of you to elevate your expectation by getting yourself in a position in the place where ministry is passing by. Come on to growth track. Some of you have been in church a year already. Here, at our church for a year, and you've never even peeked into growth track. Get yourself in the place where ministry is passing by. Join the dream team. Get yourself in the place where ministry is passing by. And, and come to a small group and get yourself in the place where ministry is passing by. Because every problem and every devil, hear me, this is for somebody, has a place of termination and a date of expiration. And when those two collide, all you got to do is make sure you're in attendance. <laughs> Come on, that was worthy of a better amen than that. Come on, right? God has a date marked on the calendar that your miracle is going to be there. And wouldn't it be terrible if you weren't there for the miracle? Wouldn't it be terrible if you weren't there for that one friendship connection, that one involvement, that one message, that one ministering moment where God was moving by and you decided, you know what, just forget it. I'm, I don't feel like it today. I remember a number of years ago, a friend called me, I'll tell the short story real quick, to come to Florida with a small group of pastors on the National Day of Prayer. And, and I'm just going to be honest, I thought to myself, I can pray without flying all the way to Florida, and I don't need eight, nine, ten more pastors to help me and pray. And, and I just didn't want to make the effort. Man, i got to fly all the way down there, get a hotel room, show up to somebody's condo for a time of prayer. Well, the somebody's condo was Bill Bright, the late Bill Bright, who probably besides Billy Graham and the Apostle Paul have led more people to the Lord than anybody else. And we went to his condo where eight pastors, some incredible world leaders, Billy Graham's daughter, Ruth Ann Bell, was there. And we sat down on the National Day of Prayer. We began to pray. The phone rang from the Oval Office. And the President of the United States of America and his wife was on the other end of the prayer uh, of the phone. And we got to pray together. And it was all because all I did was show up at the right place at the right time. And God did something incredible in my life. Are you guys hearing that today? That will elevate your expectations. Number two. The second thing that I see in this man's life is just write the word anticipate. First is attendance, second is anticipate. As a matter of fact, the very meaning of expectation carries the word anticipate in it. Webster defines it like this. Uh, to look forward to, to anticipate, and to, ex uh, and to uh, uh, the, uh, the prospect of a good future. Let's look at it again. So expectancy means to look forward to. I think you ought to be looking forward to church. I, I think you ought to be looking forward to Monday morning. Oh, did you have to say that one? Uh, to anticipate. Come on, Jesus. Man, something good is going to happen today. To the prospect of a good future. That's, that's what it means. Let's look at verse 2 again. In verse number 2, here's what he says. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day. 
to beg from those going into the temple courts. This man showed up every day anticipating something to happen. And I recognize every church service probably isn't an earth shaker, world changer. But when we come anticipating line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, come on, we begin to grow in the things of God. I can't tell you what I ate Monday night one year ago on this day, what my wife cooked for me on that day. But I can tell you that I'm healthy and alive because I ate that meal along with other meals. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It isn't one meal that rocks my world. It is multiple line upon line anticipating that brings that health and nourishment into my life. This guy was crippled. His progress looked like it had stopped, but he was still anticipating and he had not given up. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been to church services all my life since I was probably six years old. I mean, I very rarely ever miss church in all those years. And I watch people come to church, sit in the same service, sing the same songs, hear the same message. And sit on the same row. And one gets a breakthrough and one doesn't. One says, man, that's the best message I've ever heard. God spoke to my life. And the other one walks away going, man, God wasn't there today. One gets a breakthrough and one doesn't. And, and oftentimes it's all about our anticipation. I want you to, I don't know if these are in your sermon notes or not. But I want you to consider two words when we talk about anticipation. Your position and your disposition have as much to do with your blessing and your breakthrough as your attendance. Right. Let me say it again. Your position and your disposition have just as much to do with hearing from God as your attendance. See, you start with attendance, but how many know you can come and be in the wrong position and have the wrong disposition and you can miss out what God has to say? I'm telling you, when you have a wrong disposition, I'm telling you, it's hard to receive from God. It's hard to receive from anybody. Now, I know none of you do this, but just for those that are watching online and in other churches, I'm telling you, when church gets ready to start, you've got to get in the right position. Come on, when the Word of God is getting ready to start, when the singing is getting ready to start, our position is not getting coffee. Our position is not talking with somebody else. Get here early and get all that covered. So when church is starting, we're in a position. We got the right disposition. We're anticipating. Come on, if you are really anticipating, you'll be booking down here. Man, I hear them starting. The countdown is on. the Billy Graham crusade, you wouldn't be, ah, oh, I gotta go get me a hot dog, you know. Come on now. We gotta get in the right position. And we gotta have the right disposition. And watch this. Both of those are our choice. Your disposition. I know you might have had a bad week. I've had them too. I've, I've had bad weeks. I've had bad Saturdays. I've had bad Sunday mornings. But when I show up here, I have the choice to set that aside, get my disposition right so I can receive from God. Let me tell you about another Bible story flannel grab picture. Zacchaeus, how many remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Come on. The church started this rapping business. I just want to know. Right? I mean, remember that story. You know what Zacchaeus did? 
Zacchaeus got a breakthrough. He got a miracle. Jesus came to his house. You know why? Because he got himself in a position and he got his disposition correct. And he was anticipating that this is where Jesus is going to be. I'm going to show up. And I believe that you reap what you sow. When you put something into the service, you get something out of it. Come on, right? Are you hearing that today? Uh, let's do number three. Number three. Number three is, I just want you to write the word attention. Just put the word attention down. So the first one was attendance. The second was anticipation. And the third one is your attention. And uh, let, let, let's look again at verse number four. Peter looked straight at him. Talk about attention. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Watch this. Then Peter said, look at us. In other words, give me your attention. I want your undivided, I want your focus to be on me. And in the next verse, we're going to find out in a minute, it says, so he gave them his attention. And so I want to talk to you about attention because attention, ladies and gentlemen, has to do with our focus. When we give our attention to something, then that means we put our focus on something. If you were to follow me around through the week, you would see as each day goes by, my attention gets more narrow. My focus becomes more narrow. Monday is like, I feel like, whew, all right. Sunday, we, it's done and we did what we had to do. And kind of Monday, then Tuesday, I start already feeling like, man, Sunday's coming. I don't know what it is. Every week, Sunday just keeps on coming. And so by, the, by Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, man, I'm telling you what I choose to do. What activities I choose to invest in emotionally, physically, the things I choose to do, they become more narrow because I want my focus, I want my attention to be kind of narrow. Come on, it's Sunday morning. It's two hours. This is where I'm going to come together with the family of God. This is where we're going to worship together. We're going to receive together. We're going to honor God together. My attention gets focused a little bit more narrow. What would it look like if every one of us came to church on Sunday and we've set aside the cares of the world and we put our focus on God and God alone and what God wants to do in our life? I remember as a little kid, I got a little magnifying glass in um, a little Cracker Jack box. How many remember Cracker Jack? I got a little magnifying glass, and I was out focusing the sun on the fence post. All of a sudden, I see a little, little, little bead of smoke coming up from the fence. I thought, this is amazing. This is pretty cool. So I thought I'd try something else. There was a little, uh, a little uh, mound of ants in the yard, and I took a little magnifying glass over there. I know, I, I understand, this is not politically correct, but I, I took it over there, and I started burning the ant hills. Little ants were going, ah! You know, I mean, it was, just, it was like, wow. So then I had the big idea, I'm going to take my magnifying glass to school. And I remember I sat in back of this guy named Andy, and Andy ate paste all the time, and it bugged me, I just tell you. I just, I couldn't understand why somebody would eat paste, and then he was always offering other people paste. Come on, Miles, let's have paste. You know, I just, I didn't like that. So I caught a little sunlight coming in the window, and I was sitting in back of him and started shining my magnifying glass right on the back of his neck. I was like, ah! He said, what's going on? So I did it again, <laughs> and he yelled again. Now the teacher's really on. I'm thinking, well, Andy just, you know, he needed he, he, he needed to focus better. And so I thought the magnifying glass would help him do that. I don't recommend that for anybody, all right? But here's what I do want to say. When you get your attention and your focus on something, 
Come on. And God gets behind that. When your focus is God honoring, come on. How many know God has the power of all the universe to focus the power of the Son, S-O-N, into your little situation and bring a breakthrough to you? Matthew 5 says it this way. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, because they will be filled. Recently, there was a study done on some of the world's highest achievers, and they were uh, interviewed. And they said, man, how have you been able to accomplish so much? And it was real simple. Their answer after all these conversations just came down to this. said, we don't do a lot of things, but we focus our attention on the things that are most important in our life. See, the enemy wants to keep us so scattered and our minds so preoccupied and so busy that even when we do set aside an hour for church on Sunday, our minds, our emotions are spent and they're somewhere else. But what would it look like if we began to put our attention? Remember I preached at the end of the year, the fist? What if we just put our attention on five things? What if we put our attention on them? What would happen if when we came to church, our focus was on nothing else except getting in touch with? God. I was watching the news. Uh, I think it was somewhere around Thanksgiving time. Now, many know the day after Thanksgiving, there's that thing called the Black Friday sales. Well, they they showed this news clip of this knuckle. I mean, this guy, and and he pitched a tent in the parking lot of Best Buy over on Eight Mile on Wednesday, and he stayed in the tent all day Wednesday. Missed Thanksgiving, slept in the tent all day Thanksgiving Day, missed football and turkey. I mean, come on, somebody, right? I mean, what are your priorities? To be the first one in line to save $20 on something. I mean, no, but his attention, he came away with the thing he was looking for, right? He walked out of the store, they're interviewing him. Yeah, I got whatever it was. How'd you get that? Well, I started camping out on Wednesday. Come on. I mean, we're city folks. We don't even have tents. I mean, he had to go get a tent and put it in a parking lot, huh? I mean, here's this guy. But guess what? He got what he was expecting. Because his anticipation. Could you imagine him? I mean, it's pitiful. It really is. But could you imagine the poor guy in the tent? Oh, boy, I'm going to get whatever it is. Not long ago, uh, we were driving. We lived right here off of Ford Road. And, and there was literally at midnight a circle going around the, uh, of the GameStop Center. And those people, I mean, they're anticipating. They're waiting for this new, whatever it was, Halo 3 or something like that. They're waiting for the new game. They're waiting in line. Now, I'm not saying if you did that, that's wrong. But I'm just saying this. They got what they were anticipating to get. See, guys like me, you know, I show up three days later. Oh, there was a sale? I had no idea. No wonder there's nothing left on the shelf I want. Because I wasn't anticipating it. You guys with me on that? Number four, the fourth thing I want you to write down, uh, the fourth thing that I think helped him elevate his expectation, number four is attitude, (coughs) is attitude. Um, Let me read it with you again, verse number five, uh, or yeah, it says, uh, so the man gave him, he gave them his attention. Watch this next line. So he gave them his attention. We got to put our attention, our energy on something. Watch this next line. I love this. Expecting to get something from them. Talk about attitude. Talk about the right attitude. I mean, this guy, come on. This guy could be singing a woe is me story, couldn't he? 
right? He's been crippled since birth. I mean, he could have this horrible attitude, nothing ever good happens to me. But he's got a great attitude because he says, I'm expecting. Look, I've been crippled all my life, but this is my moment. I'm expecting something great. I'm, I'm expecting something great. Watch this. Here's what this says to me. This guy, what? He's been crippled by birth, since birth. So, here's what I know. It's not something he's done wrong to put him in that position. See, a lot of times our expectation is expired because we feel like, well, it's because of the sin in my life that this is the way life has come out. Let me tell you something. That is a lie of the enemy because none of us deserve blessing. None of us deserve favor. None of us deserve miracles or breakthrough. It's only by God's grace. And that's why he blesses us. The book of Romans chapter 4 says his kindness leads to repentance. In other words, he blesses us while we're filthy and rotten and while we mess up and we forget to pray and we can't find our Bible and we miss it. God still blesses our life. We don't earn it. And so here's what it says to me. This guy's been crippled since birth. Here's what it says to me. You cannot help what you go through in life, but you can help how you go through those things in life. Wow. Your attitude will always determine your altitude. And he had this great attitude of excitement. And I want to just talk to you right there just a minute. This this attitude of excitement. Now, a lot of you just amen. In other words, you agree. You can't help what you go through. You can't choose what you go through. He didn't choose to be crippled. He was born that way. But he chose that I'm going to show up every day and do the right thing. I'm going to keep doing the little things right and believing for a breakthrough. He gave his attention. He had anticipation. And he chose an attitude of excitement. Man, this is a great day. This is going to be the best one ever. Come on, that's why I start every single Sunday. Some of you picked up on it by now. The first thing I say when I walk up on the stage is say, come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Why? Because I don't know what you've been through this week. And some of you could be saying, I don't feel like giving the Lord a good hand clap. But I want to I start right from the beginning, changing our attitude to an attitude of excitement. Yeah, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. And then at the end of the service, we pray God's blessing and God's favor and God's health and prosperity on your life. And then I'll say something like, man, I can't wait till next week. I'm working on a message and I really believe it's going to be the... What am I doing? I'm trying to instill some anticipation, some excitement. Because watch this. What we're excited about in life is what we activate in life. Let me say that again. What we become excited about is what we activate. If you get excited about saving money, then you'll activate that. If you get excited about getting in shape, then you'll activate that. If you get excited about the things of God, then you will activate that. Whatever you become excited about are the things that we activate in life. Let me give you an example. Two years ago now, believe it or not, a handful of us... Uh, just a handful. I see you guys. I see uh, I see John and Dane. I see Mike and Marsha. I don't mean to leave anybody up. But just a small handful of us gathered together at the Marriott Hotel on Six Mile in Livonia in the ballroom. And we came together with a big whiteboard. And we began to say, what if we started a church? What would it look like? What would we want to see God? And we began to write things down. As we begin to write things down, you can feel the excitement level. The louder milk you guys were there. Begin to feel the excitement level rise. And what you become excited about is what you activate. And here we 
released it two years later. In this place, and God is growing it. And now this God has used this church to give $30,000 to other church planters. Almost 100 people have found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior right here. Why? Because what we get excited about is what is activated in our life. And what is activated becomes a demonstration of God's power in our life. Is everybody tracking with me on that? I'm telling you, there's something to be said. I'm not ashamed to say I come to church excited. Man, I come fired up. And and I'm just going to tell you, there's Sunday mornings I wake up and I'm like, oh, is it Sunday again? And I have to change my mind. Is it one degree outside? Really? And we got church? And I got to change my mind. God gives me the ability to change my mind. God gives me the ability to say I'm going to be excited because I'm usually more able to act myself into feeling than feel myself into acting. Are you guys with me today? Come on, we just need to be excited about the things of God. Let's do it one time. Just get excited about the things of God. See how that is? In the book of Ezra, the Bible says that he opened the word of God and the people went crazy. Come on. Yeah. It's time for the word of God. And we we activate those things. Let me give you a little better illustration. How many have ever watched this show, The Price is Right? I'm telling you, everybody in that studio audience, they make them do drugs before they let them in. They pump into the vents like laughing gas. And, and, and I've never really been a big game watcher, but man, I'm telling you, our, my, our office, both my wife and I's office is in our home right now. And, and so one day the TV was on and the Price is Right came on. Carmen was coming through the room and, 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 and I just remember we were looking at the TV like, is this a Saturday Night Live spoof? Because it was so over the top. And they said, so and so, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. And I kid you not, this lady stood up in the middle of the crowd and did a dance like, I'm telling you, fire ants were all over her body. I mean, I think she knocked three or four people right out cold, right? You know, one of those. And then she made a beeline. I mean, I, I mean, she, she, like she was on fire. And, and I, I, I want to be... Kind, but she shouldn't have been running the sprint. She wasn't dressed for a sprint. She wasn't built for a sprint. And she shouldn't have been running the sprint. But man, this lady's like, wow! And joined. And then she got down to the contestants' row and woohoo! And guess what? She hadn't even won anything. She won the chance to win something. She was in the right position to win something. She definitely had the right disposition to win something. She was in attendance. She had anticipation. And I thought, man, if they could get that crazy over winning a washer and dryer. We ought to, in faith, be that excited that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. All hell can come against me, but my God is God. He is good. He is great. He loves me. My best days are yet ahead of me. They're not behind me. Come on. Somebody put on a prayer. Don't wait till you get to the party to get excited. 
you, how many of you have not been in church your whole life? Let me just see your hand. How many of you have not been? See, now, the rest of you, get a lesson from all the sinners in the room, all right? So, I'm just kidding. Watch this. When you were in the world, you didn't wait till you got to the club to get excited. You got up on Saturday morning after sleeping in till noon because you had to get your energy right for what was ahead of you that night. You got up, probably went out and cleaned your car, washed your car, waxed your car, because this is the car I'm cruising down to the club in, and i got to be looking good. Come on, some of you are old now, like you act like you, you can't even, you got amnesia, I don't remember that. You got the ironing board out, ironed a crease in your bell bottoms. Come on, Bill, I know. Huh? Got the silk shirt out, you know, the silk shirt, and you practice the John Travolta moves in the mirror. You got in the bathroom, started combing out your fro and putting on your makeup, and that's when we all had hair. Huh? And you weren't just in there getting ready. You had the cassette tape boombox sitting on the counter. And you had KC and the Sunshine Band playing. I'm your boogie man. Come on now. You guys know that song. And you're like grooving, like, woo, man, we're going to party tonight, huh? By the time you got to the club, you were on like, wah! It wasn't like you got to the club, well, I wonder if something good in it. No, you got excited about it. What would happen? Don't play I'm your boogie man on your way to church. But what would happen if you put on some praise music and you got up and you anticipated and you were on time and you were in your chair and you were ready for the things of God to happen? I got a question. Let me give you the last one. How many can receive that in the heart that is made? Come on, let's not give God second best. I don't show up and just say, well, I expect you to. No, I show up saying, God, I'm expecting to have this encounter with you. I don't take it for granted. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to be in the right place at the right time and expecting something great to happen in my life. Today is going to be the best Sunday I've ever had in church. Number five, the last letter A I want to give you is activate. Just write down the word activate. These are five things that I believe we will do. We'll elevate our expectations. Number five is activate. Let's look at the last verse together in Acts chapter number three, verse number eight. Here's what it says. He jumped to, he jumped to his feet. Did, did you catch that? He jumped to his feet. He did. You see, there comes a place, the story starts with his friends bringing him to the gate. But your friends can only get you so far. The pastor can only get you so far. The growth track opportunity, the, the small group opportunity, the good church service opportunity, the, the, those things are only there and they only work if you jump to your feet. They only work if you activate it. This message is garbage unless you take it and activate it. This message is just a bunch of wasted time unless you take at least one of those letter A's and say, this is how I'm going to begin to elevate my expectations. you got your friends, your church, your pastor. Watch this. Even your prayers will only bring you so far. And then faith without works is dead. You've got to jump up and activate the things of God in your life. Activate it. And it says, anyway, it says, he began to walk. Then he went with them, watch this, into the temple courts. His friends only got him to the gate. But he jumped up and got in the temple courts. Walking and jumping and praising God. 
He advanced, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you, there is nothing better in your life for success than to have some success. Let me say it again. There's nothing that breeds success more than to have some success. Take, listen, we have enough messages and learning now that if we'll just do a couple of the things and begin to activate it in our life. I dare you tomorrow morning to wake up and put your feet on the ground and instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning, say, good morning, Lord. This is going to be the best one ever. Something's going to happen today that's going to bring a breakthrough. Something's going to happen. I just believe God's still on the throne. And I don't care what the devil throws at me. God's still in control. He hasn't brought me this far to drop me now. My best days are not behind me. My best days are yet ahead of me. I'm elevating my expectation because I believe what you think about is where you go about in life. And when I expect nothing, I get nothing. But I'm going to start expecting. And guess what? You can't do it every once in a while. You've got to do it every single day. And there's something that happens not only in our brains chemically but there's something that happens supernaturally because God sees your faith and without that faith it's impossible to please God but when God looks down and sees you in your crippled, stopped, stunted forward movement and you're still anticipating something great it's that kind of faith that pleases the heart of God and he has no option but to send a wasami into your life come on, you got that today? Amen that's, that's green. I mean, uh, that's uh, something for something. All right. Anyway, how many can receive that today? Are you, are you Come on. And, and that applies to everything. I'm relating it to the church, but it applies to everything. It applies to everything. Hey, husbands, tell your wives today, man, that's the best meal I ever ate. That's amazing. I know it's Chef Boyardee and she opened a can, but just just tell her. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just begin to elevate your expectations. I'm all done. Would you stand with me all over this place?